Joker has been out for just over a month now, and um, it's made quite an impact, to say the least. I think they announced recently that it's hit about a billion, somewhere around a billion at the box office globally. That's a bit. Yeah, so that's a fair amount of cash. Um, it's quite an interesting one. So we're going to go into spoilers about this because it's been a while since it's out. And if you haven't seen it yet, you're probably not likely to see it. Um, but just be aware that we're going to be touching on some big story points throughout this um, Todd Phillips' first foray into, I guess, second foray into the serious film territory. He did that War Dogs movie before this, which I haven't seen yet. Oh, yeah, that's with Jonah Hill. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess second foray into this darker world of genres. Mm-hmm. Um, it's especially strange, especially with him coming from doing f- films like the, the Hangover series and Due Date, Road Trip. Bit of a left turn, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can consider this a comic book movie. I think technically it is. But yeah. technically it's not. Priya, it's actually so far from the genre that it may as well not be in the genre. Mm. Um, and I guess that's one of the strong points about it. It's got this um, substance to it that you don't really find often in in superhero films, especially with how dark it goes. Yeah, grounded and uh, gritty, as they say. I think apart from from the whole violence aspect of this film, uh, the greatest uh, critique criticism thrown at this 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 uh this film is uh how similar it is to scorsese's taxi driver and king of comedy king of comedy i haven't seen same but taxi driver i did watch after the fact after watching uh joker and yes there's some very direct references made even 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 uh in terms of the uh costume design uh, which uh, mm. which uh, I found a lot of people say lack of imagination, but I found it sort of endearing that because Scorsese was originally attached to the film and then he dropped out. And with De Niro being in it as well, I think it was a nice Easter egg. A whole film long Easter egg, but it was, <laughs> it was I don't know, I, I digged it. A lot of people didn't. So it wasn't. I still haven't seen Taxi Driver, but it wasn't uh, a blatant ripoff. You're saying it was kind of more of uh, an influence than a a very strong influence. There, there's some like almost like scene for scene really depictions. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a bit of a like a weird hybrid of uh, somewhat originality and um, copying, I guess. But which I liked. I don't know. I found it quite cool. Like a sort of a mm. callback to the past. It's sort of like the way those movies are made. The way Scorsese made those films. And now sort of bringing it to a current audience. Yeah. I guess another similarity is that they both have a standout lead performance. Mm. Where De Niro's performance in that film is, is like quite a legendary thing. Mm-hmm. And I think... Uh, Joaquin Phoenix's performance in this movie is going to become that. It already kind of is. Yeah, yeah. But it's so damn good that I think it deserves all of the buzz that it's gotten. It's actually insane when when you, you look at what he did with the character. There's so much pressure attached to that role when it's come from someone like what Heath Ledger did with it. 
Mm. Um, it's always, well, I suppose, even from the Jack Nicholson days, it's already had that that uh, presence and gravitas to it. But Heath Ledger's portrayal pushed it to this like legendary uh, status. Uh, status, yeah. yeah and yeah. and then it, like every actor who takes that role on after that is going to have that expectation of like, how are they going to stack up to that? How are they going to make it as impactful in a different way? And uh, I think Joaquin's performance in this film is something that's actually unsettling in, in a great way. Mm. Um, I saw the film twice and I found it even more impactful the second time around in terms of pacing and just analyzing the little micro nuances of his performance. Like he, he emotes and uh, just reacts in certain ways that are, that's so unsettling, but uh, really makes you empathetic to his, his struggles. And also obviously you're not going to, you're not justifying and agreeing with the terrible things that they go down, but on a human level and, and, and from uh, witnessing someone suffering and going through terrible things you still like you really feel for him it's not just a case of um watching someone act their ass off for no reason it's like you you feel like you're in it you're in the the turmoil with With them yeah with the the situation yeah you started rooting for the villain in a way it's it's a weird (laughs) it's a bit of a weird dynamic for the audience to be in which is what makes this film so impactful i think as well back backtracking onto the sort of role i think the joker role is also considered cursed because mm. everybody imagines that it, it takes this huge psychological uh, toll on the actor mm. trying to do it to become that character yeah. and to get them get themselves into that mindset that mindset yeah that, that psychotic crazy but lovable yeah there's an endearing quality to yeah, his yeah. Uh, sadism and just, it is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's just a he's just a, he's like a sadistic man child if I could Put it that way. Mm. Um, we if we go back to Jack Nicholson. I've, also, when I, I've watched, I watched the the full of Batman nineteen eighty nine recently, and I was like, it's basically Jack Nicholson playing Jack Nicholson though. He is uh. a lunatic. Yeah, <laughs> I'd lo- I wouldn't want to be in his house at night, sort of thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Heath Ledger's obviously his interpretation, legendary. And then obviously, then yeah, the stress put on to poor Jared Leto, who mediocre portrayal, <clears throat> but I think he wasn't given enough to work with. And then you've got Joaquin Phoenix that flips the script again and reinvents it and makes his own iconic version now. And I am a huge Joker fan, and a lot of people also say it's not comic book accurate. This is this is a Where's the fun side of this character, the joking side, the circus clown aspect of it? Mm. And uh, I like morbid films. I don't know. I've got a thing for them. Yeah, it's not what they were going for with this one. Mm. I think it's more of a, a grounded origin story from a from a place of like turmoil and darkness. And then that's where they go. Like from from here and where the film ends up, you can sort of see where that playful... Uh, mm. laughing at terrible things side mm. would come from. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I also said this to someone after we saw the film for the first time mm. that it's, it makes it 
even worse looking back on Jared Leto's performance now after this. <laughs> yeah. Just in, in the sense that obviously, like, I think he was done a disservice with the final cut of the film and how much they say it was left on the cutting room floor. But it's still, I, I, I sort of enjoy his performance less and less every time I see Suicide Squad. Mm. So I don't, obviously they're in completely different ballparks and, and genres, but mm. I just felt like it made, Joaquin Phoenix's performance highlighted the weaknesses in Leto's portrayal mm. even more in hindsight. Yeah. But it is a tough comparison because like you may as well be talking about two different characters entirely yeah completely different characters something else about this film is that as we mentioned earlier the violence is pretty dark and realistic and Mm. and intense um and the media flurry around the film was all about how the movie is going to incite violence it's going to cause uproars and riots and people committing horrible acts of of uh crimes and all this crazy shit and you know it's been a month and a bit after the film's come out and I think it's safe to say that there's not really been <laughs> any such. Yes, yeah, so there's nothing. I mean, what film today is not violent? <laughs> you don't hear the same uproar when, when Tarantino releases a film. Yes, they comment on it, but not having security guards and policemen posted in and outside cinemas because... They're worried somebody's going to shoot up a cinema. Yes, I know there's a past event, but that is one individual. Uh, It's not a film's responsibility to set the bar of what your personal morals and ethics and what you are willing to do for, say, attention or or for your beliefs and whatever it is that led to the crazy shooting that happened when uh, The Dark Knight Rises was released, which was a tragedy but it was down to the individual. Yeah, I think it's it becomes dangerous when you start pinning responsibility on art for certain actions. Mm. It's a very tricky ground, and I actually often avoid giving my opinion and perspective into it because I am on that side of, of things where like, I don't think that the art is, is causing someone to go on a rampage and, and like or do certain things. Um People have said that this film glorifies violence and I can in some way see what they're talking about but I still don't agree with it because mm-hmm. the film in no way uh, portrays it as like this is what you need to do now to take revenge on people who have wronged you or, or mm-hmm. bad circumstances in your life. Everything that he does is still horrendous. It's still a terrible thing mm-hmm. to do as a human being. Uh, totally like the film is not condoning um, his actions. It might feel a bit cathartic in the moment when he does get his revenge against certain people who have done him wrong. But it's still, I don't think, something that should make anyone convinced that they needed, that mm. they should now take violence, mm. uh, violent actions against someone who's done them wrong. Mm. It's, a, it's a film. It's a movie. It's mm. not trying to dictate morals or dictate the way that you should be and behave. And I think it's also a, a film that people who don't know the Joker don't understand what it's about because what the Joker character is all about is that how one bad day can also potentially lead mm. somebody to snap. It's just That's all it takes is that you just have one really horrendous day and it's, it is in us all that this could happen. Mm. 
And this is what it portrays. As of the time that we were recording it, because we did get to this a little bit late, they've apparently announced that a sequel is confirmed, and uh, they're saying that Todd Phillips is gonna is gonna direct again. Joaquin's gonna return. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, um, I would prefer Joker to be a standalone film and not have sequels and not form part of any sort of franchise whether it being its own or eventually linked to some sort of DC, other DC project mm. but at the same time I love the portrayal of this character in this movie and I wouldn't say no to seeing more mm. but as we know with sequels <laughs> it can go either way it's either shockingly bad or it, I guess the goal is to transcend the the the, mm. the first film which doesn't always go the right way so yeah i'm i'm on the fence um and I'd, i you know what i'll be happy either way sequel or not mm. until it is released and then we can then we can sort of see if it's shit we disregard it it never existed yeah <laughs> i think i'm on the same side of the fence with that uh i would probably prefer it to just be a standalone because of how impactful it is but then the sequel can explore certain cool aspects that this movie sets up and, and questions that it poses and doesn't necessarily give you the answers to. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest ones is whether or not he actually is the son of um, Thomas Wayne. Yeah. And on the first viewing, I was sort of um, wavering on whether or not things were true about him, uh, about his mother being crazy. Um, I kept on veering back to that the 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 reveal where you see all of the papers the adoption papers and the medical reports about his mother and i was i just kept on thinking no these were like these could have been forged these are still there's something about this that that holds some truth and there was like i was a lot more skeptical and then the second time i saw it i was like i swung the other i swung the other way for some reason Mm. and i thought no his mother actually was crazy and uh, although they're specifically showing you those documents because that's what they want to tell you, that mm-hmm. is the the truth of the outcome. But then someone again pointed out that scene where you where you see him sitting uh, at the at the dresser and you see the photo, and at the back it says something about "I love your smile," mm-hmm. um, T W. Yeah. And that again puts that it puts it up in the air, and mm. you know puts that like it's, the sequel can explore those things, mm. and that will have tremendous impact on the whole. Uh, franchise I guess because then that's going to change how you how you perceive Batman and Batman's legacy and yeah. Batman's past and all yeah, of that yeah. it changes uh, everything yeah and then also the question about the the age difference between Joker now and um, Bruce Wayne yeah that is a substantially substantially bigger age gap than than has been ever mm-hmm. the case in the comics right mm-hmm. 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 yeah so I think that's that'll be quite an interesting thing for them to explore in the in the sequel yeah, I don't know. I I've only seen the film once, and what I took away from it was that it was almost like the 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 mental condition, the the sort of uh, unhinged aspect of 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 uh, Arthur Fleck was passed down from his mother almost. So oh. I viewed that she was nuts. Her whole relationship was made up in her head. Because of her infatuation with her 
her then boss. So in the sense that he didn't snap, he always had craziness built in, and then I, I, I think yeah, it was it was it was always there. It needed he needed the right push, and hmm. it were it, it's and that's what happened. Um, it, he snapped. He snapped on the train when he was getting beat up, for instance. But um, hmm. I, th- I think it's his his mom. Yeah, it was all in her head. This seems to be a running theme in the film as well. That there's so much of the movie that takes place inside of Arthur Flick's head the whole thing might be in his head but there, there are key points with the, his his relationship with uh zazzy beats yeah uh, was completely in his head and that's what leads me to think that um his mother's relationship with thomas wayne was completely in her head it's almost like a hereditary yeah aspect of his family almost that's interesting because that's another theory that people have been speaking about that i actually really don't like mm. um but is worryingly feasible for me in the yeah, sense yeah, that yeah. the like people are saying that the whole almost the whole film is in his head yeah, yeah. everything that takes place in the movie is not because he is mm. an unreliable narrator yes. but because of that there's that little insert when he's first the first scene when he's seeing his um the 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 psychologist social, social, work social worker or psychologist yeah, yeah, yeah. and then there's that insert when he, when he says i think i preferred it when i was in the hospital or something and there's that quick insert of him in the white room busy like banging his head against the door yeah yeah, Uh, and that is worrying because that's the only scene in the film that ties into the end of the film where he's in the white room again speaking to someone Mm -hmm. so like I guess you could use that and and justify that all of the film all of the activities and and the uh, the events that take place in the film is just this delusion in his head that he's like laughing at in that mm. final scene you know what i mean mm, mm. and for me that diminishes a lot i don't like that i think what the film this is this is just strictly my opinion is what what the film plays on is that um in the past the joker has said that he prefers his origin story to be multiple choice and i think that's what the film is playing on is that in the film sort of tries to give you the idea that you might know yeah the, the film isn't black and wh- black black and white black or white i should say um is it in his head is it not it's his interpretation he's he's also the hero of his own story um that's the thing is like it's pl- i think it's playing on that that his 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 origin story is a b c all the way right down to to z and he's going to pick mm. up points from here and there and today this is his origin story tomorrow he's He's got another one, which, which like Heath Ledger's Joker, who's who kept on making a different explanation scars. for his scars. So his origin is multiple choice. So while that, yeah, like I, You're while not that is cool, know. yeah. So while that's cool as an idea, I think that's cooler, cooler from an outside perspective, mm. from from the when he's already the Joker and when when he's dealing with someone who's trying to uh, challenge him or, or yeah. best him. The reason that this annoys me as an idea is that it makes a lot of what happens in the film sort of redundant okay. uh, from a from a meaning standpoint. So like a lot of the things that happen, you see him being just like a, such an introverted, sad character going through all this stuff. And then for him to like you see the, the, the delusions that he's having, like when he pictures himself on the TV show with Robert De Niro's character mm. um, 
and you see that he he like thinks of him as this father figure that he never had and it's just like a really sad yeah that coming with the fact that his whole relationship with Zazie Beetz's character was also in his head mm. all of that is um like i think a lot of people should be able to relate to that in some way because like we've all had fantasies of being famous or you know like winning uh, uh competitions or you know what i mean like these mm. these like mm. fant- like but we are well aware that they're fantasies they're not we're not um deluded that they are actually reality or like sometimes that they even will become reality they're mm. just delusions but like it makes it even more uh it makes him more of an empathetic character that you can see him desperately clinging on to these delusions that he's going through to to like survive because he's so yeah. he's in such a bad place and he just doesn't have any support he doesn't have any friends you know like like everywhere he turns people are just against him yeah, yeah yeah so like in that sense i think it makes it stronger but then to to say that all of that was happening in his head i guess makes the character even more unsettled and more uh chaotic mm. but takes away from the fact like in that sense he does think that he is the the justified uh villain everything mm. he did was justified because look how downtrodden and look how the whole world was against him but without that being the truth it almost just makes it uh mean less from this yeah. as an origin story for me and then on the topic of the ending shot where he's now in the mental facility and and he's like genuinely laughing at the the picture of Bruce Wayne standing alone in the the um alleyway uh there was there's a specific moment where i almost feel like if the film had cut slightly earlier to credits than it does mm. it would have been a little bit more of a impactful ending for me because i okay. like i really love focusing on the ending of films and like that applies to albums and a lot of things like the ending is such a mic drop mm. solid thing that leaves you like really hits you in the in the gut and leaves it a lasting impact mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah so when she asks him about the joke that he's laughing at and he says which is now mean but he says you wouldn't get it i think if it had cut just then it would mm. have been such a solid impactful ending not to say that the the actual film ending is is not good mm. but i felt it like almost a little bit unnecessary when he then looks at her and then starts sort of like singing along with the song on the soundtrack and then the whole like running down the corridor thing. I feel like if it had cut to black straight after that you wouldn't get it moment. It would have been just like just like that extra mic yeah. drop of a of a punch ending. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but that's just like a little gripe. It's not I don't disagree with you. I think it would have made one hell of an impactful uh, ending to the film. But the ending after that which we assume he he brutally killed the therapist mm. he, must, he, he smashed her head in or something because he had the bloody footprints mm. but that shows the playful psychotic side yeah the, the evolution of the character yeah, he's finally coming into the joker the joker has he's become the joker now instead of developing into it mm. throughout the film he's now he's there he's become yeah the, the the clown prince of crime, the this is yeah this sadistic man child that that wants to play games with you that that, that that's gonna lead to you getting hurt or worse. Yeah, that's so, true. Which you see, I so I have appreciation for both of those. If it ended there, I would have been happy. I'm still happy with him mm. 
just you know, showing that playful side now coming through that we might now see in if if the sequel does happen we'll hopefully see more of that where he's going to be a little bit comical a little bit maybe smarter now instead of you know coming up with these elaborate schemes to blow up the the, True. the the courtroom or something like that true because in in no point in this film did he ever have a grand elaborate scheme yes yeah. it was always just it was going with the flow basically. reactive and yeah. whatever happened he was he was reacting to and then the, the course of action from there was him taking taking things into his own hands it wasn't this mm. pre-planned crazy thought out uh, scheme you know mm. um, so. he's taken ownership of the persona yeah so yeah so either way I would have been happy uh, I, I am happy with the ending that we do have maybe when you watch it when he, he hits that you push stop on the and then you carry on yeah I'll day. do my own fan <laughs> cut or something um <laughs> Another um, standout scene for me that really lingered in my mind for some reason, especially the second time I saw it, was the scene when he is um, back in his apartment listening to some of the voice messages left on his phone. And he's just like almost absentmindedly, robotically pulling stuff out of his fridge and freezer. And then he just gets into it and closes it and and gets in there. That really stuck with me for some reason. It's such a... uh, impactful scene of like some what someone in trauma would do mm. it's uh yeah i don't know why that one's really stuck with me but and like that, visually and, and yeah, just yeah. and that scene was improvised by joaquin phoenix was it really yeah it was improvised he shot well apparently the last thing i read was it was improvised he just did it and shot shocked the whole crew and they loved it so much that they put it in the final film oh wow <laughs> so yeah yeah that's <laughs> he, interesting he actually lost it there for a second <laughs> and it is it's a brilliant scene because also I, I actually had a chuckle i was like okay he just can't handle this mm. and he's literally gonna go and shut himself <laughs> off but it's just like you think okay now he's just making a mess and then climbing uh, it was yeah it was it was amazing <laughs> yeah another uh scene that i think was interesting from a from a audience perspective was where uh one of the more violent parts of the film when the two people from the the clown company come to visit him in, in his apartment yeah yeah and uh i got really annoyed actually the second time i saw it because the audience reaction i know that like in general it's sort of a reaction this was like i mentioned in the midsummer review mm. when certain things happen that are so over the top and so like shocking sometimes your reaction is to laugh because you don't know what else to do yeah it's um, a nervous laughter yeah yeah there were I people laughed. Yeah, okay, so the like... The first time. Yeah, so some people in the cinema laughed in that whole scene where um, his only actual friend reacted in such a strong way to what he did. He just killed someone in front of him. Yeah. Anyone would react like that. It's a horrific thing to see. I mean, mm. you can't even imagine this. You can't picture the situation. But uh, I don't know why it, 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 people laughed the way they did in, in my screening. They laughed... Uh, too much like like people were like out loud laughing like it was a comedy scene like it was a mm. uh, funny moment yeah. when it's in no way funny it's such a dark bleak scene towards the end of the scene it sort of varies uh, it sort of sways into dark comedy where they make a point of showing that he can't reach the door mm. latch to mm. get out you mm. know what I mean it's a horrific thing to happen but it's got this dark comedy undertone yeah um and it just really annoyed me the way people were like laughing at the scene as though it was genuinely funny and like, oh, wow, this is wild. I mean, it's like it's a horrendous scene with a lot of impact and it, it took the impact away from me 
hearing people laugh the way they did it, it was just. It's it's quite a yeah. It's quite a juxtaposition of what's happening in the scene, and I think it's because of the brutality of the way he kills the mm. guy that sort of set him up with the gun and all mm. of that. So I think it was almost. I don't know what the filmmaker's intention was, but I think it, if it was a sort of un, unintentional uh, sort of release from that seriousness, that brutality that you're laughing at, and it could just be the fact that, un- unfortunately, the, the guy's short. And also from the point that this character is his friend, but there's this whole uncertainty in the scene that, is he going to let him go? Mm-hmm. Is this pull and push? Is he actually going to let this guy go? And yeah. Uh, and then there's the the lock where he actually tries to escape, and then you know Joaquin gets up and you think, oh no, this is the end of this poor guy, and he lets him out. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> so, so it's just like yeah, I think it's just this build up of of tension, and uh, he's uh, he's uh, he's he's an intentional or unintentional comedic release. Uh, the the whole character moment with him choosing to let him go in that that scene as well highlighted something else for me that was quite sad. In, in that throughout the film, uh, that character is basically his only actual friend. Yeah. And in multiple parts, I guess you can see how the, uh, how um, Arthur Fleck's character sort of also joins in on people poking fun at him mm. just to, I guess, fit in. Like yeah. there's that scene where, where the guy cracks the joke about, do, do you call it mini golf or is it just golf? And then you see Arthur, like he does that like forced fake laugh mm. and walks out of the room and it immediately stops as soon as he's around mm. the corner. It made me sad to think about that because then you realize how he's actually um, making fun of the only person who actually is nice to him mm. just to sort of fit in. And uh, just to further emphasize that that disconnect with with him and society and people and having any real connections. Mm. I think I think it's, what I take from that is that the okay, I'm 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 going to uh, yeah I'm going to say the the short the dwarf character um, knows what it's like to be ridiculed and sees this happening to Arthur and knows that it's it, it's not it, it, it probably isn't uh, Arthur's intention to actually be poking fun at him like you say he's just trying to fit in so that. He can take some of the pressure off of himself from these other guys that keep on poking fun at both of them, and I think because he's so used to seeing it happen to him that he he takes pity almost on on Arthur because he knows what it's like, and that's why even though Arthur makes fun of him too, he's still able to see past it and be his friend yeah. and try to be the support that he so lacks. Yeah, he's still a genuinely good person. He is, he is a genuinely good person and he tries. Yeah. So I guess overall, it's a film with a crazy amount of layers and it's an amazing one to rewatch and start to pick up on other small little details that's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, how many Todds out of 10 Phillips would you give this film? <laughs> this is a solid 8 Todds for me. 8 Todds? Yeah, if not 9, but I'll sit, sit on 8 until I see it again. Okay. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a nine. Hot toddies. Hot toddies. Okay. I think. <laughs> um, I really loved it the first time, and then the second time I saw it, the film flowed and the pacing almost felt poetic in some ways. Like everything just 
was really it, it flowed so well mm. um so i think that it got even that much better for me the second time so i think a solid nine all around just amazing cinematography um incredible performance by phoenix and i think it's gonna leave its mark in the in cinematic history as it should because it's it's yeah. made uh as much of an impact as it wanted to yeah whether that was negative or positive for people yeah it's uh it's done what it set out to do mm-hmm. a billion dollars speaks for itself money <laughs> dc money <laughs> dc money i see money <laughs> <laughs> Now, if the sequel can just show Batfleck beating up <laughs> Arthur Fleck, can yeah. we please get this? <laughs> Batfleck versus Arthur Fleck. Yeah. Dawn of comedy. Fight! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys, for joining us today, tonight, this afternoon, this morning, during brunch, whenever you were listening to this. Um, we're going to be back soon with another review. So um, if you enjoy this, please help us spread the word. Um, let, your, let your friends know about it. Anyone who enjoys movies and speaking about these kind of things. Yeah. And um, if your podcast platform lets you rate podcasts, please do the things and give us the good, the good boys. <laughs> the many stars. <laughs> the five boys out of five. <laughs> See you guys in the next one.